Count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Yes, I will lift you
Now I'm on. All right. Wes is ready. Is everybody else ready? Let's get up and worship the Lord. Come on, stand up. Have fun. Hear me? I said have fun. You can put your hands together. You can do whatever you want. You look like you're dead. God is able. He will never fail. He is almighty God. Greater than all we see. Greater than all we ask. He has done great things. Lifted up, he defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is able in his day. We overcome for the long, our God is able. God is with us, God is on our side, He will make a way, for above all we know, for above all we hope, He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave. Raised to life, our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord, our God is able. He will grow before He will never leave us He will never leave us God is for us He has opened up He will never fail us He will never fail us Lifted up He defeated the grave Raised to life our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able. Lift it up. He defeated the grave. Raised to life. Our God is able in His name. Overcome 
go. Keep it up, Patty. One. Pentecostal Patty, go. Two. Intro.
care where the mics go off or not, God. We don't care where they lose power. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be raised to life. And we give you praise for that, Christ. So while we are here today, God, we dedicate this whole entire service, this whole entire day to your glory. For that, we give you praise. For you are a living hope. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says, How you doing? That good? Better my microphone, right? All right. So it's all good. All right. So let's take a look here. We have um, a couple prayer requests we want to lift up. Um, we have a praise from Lisa. Um, Lisa, um, her nephew Jeremy completed basic training and is now a member of the U.S. Army. So we want to thank God for Jeremy. Gosh, I feel old right now. <coughs> I remember him as a little kid. So. We had that. Um, we do want to th uh, thank everyone for your prayers and your concerns. God did answer our prayer from last week, and Dad went home to be with the Lord on Monday. And we are going to celebrate his life today. Um, and so there is a link online. It, we'd love to have it open for everybody, but we know with um, him there would be standing room only, and there's this thing called COVID, in case you don't know. Um, actually, it's been week 52 since the, uh, the uh, prayer that we've been doing, Unite 714. Um, and um, honestly, so we are, we are so glad and, um, for him. We'd love for everybody to join us online if you want to. Um, and we're going uh, to celebrate a dynamic life. Even though he's my dad and has uh, a, a great son, um, we, uh, he, he was an amazing man. And um, anybody who knew him, and I am blessed to, I'm blessed to do a number of things. Number one, I'm blessed to be his son. I know Jill feels the same way, um, except for she's a daughter. Um, and um, I am, we, we are blessed. We're going to have our worship team here today to give glory to God. <clears throat> and, um, but most of all, um, I, we have the incredible honor of paying his 80 years tribute. Um, and it's pretty amazing um, that he's, he's, he's home with mom and the Lord. And, uh, and so we think he got to the Lord, but mom talks a lot, so we don't know whether he got, she got there yet. So anyway... 
<coughs> All right. Um, we want to, I also want to lift up something else. And when we rejoice when one of the saints has been here um, and been with us for several years, as dad lived 80 years uh, in there, um, there's also those times where it's tougher to rejoice when someone goes to be with the Lord. And one of our own that you guys may have seen, um, we have a picture up here, Carly, Carly Snyder. Let's put Carly up there. um, uh, Did you get her, Melinda? Okay, she's going to put her up there. Carly, um, who you will know, um, you will know from seeing her, um, went to Haiti with us. Uh, She was um, here with the Ross family, and um, and she uh, she was just such a joy uh, to be around. Um, love, I know, Wes, you were there with her. Um, you'll, when you, you'll see that she's a, um, just has a, always had a big smile on her face um, and, and giving to the Lord. Last uh, Sunday, she uh, was in an ATV accident um, and was thrown, and she ended up dying. And she's 21 years um, young. And for us, that is way, 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 way too young um, of a life snuffed out way too young for us. There she is. You might remember seeing her in here smiling around. Um, she always had a, had, a, um, had, a, had a big smile, and that is a smile after lots of work and carrying stuff. Um, she just loved the kids there and just was a joy to be around. And we are heartbroken. I know Austin, her boyfriend, is. The whole entire Ross family is. And ultimately, ultimately, um, the one thing is that... Uh, I know where she is too. And she loved the Lord. And she just encouraged people to do the exact same and to get closer to Jesus. And we are, are extremely heartbroken. They honored her life yesterday, but we know that she's not heartbroken. We know she's uh, with Jesus. And, um, and so I just ask for prayers for her family. I can't imagine um, being a parent, that, to me, that is got to be the worst thing. And sadly, some people I know have gone through that. Um, but just continue to lift her up and um, and continue. We're they're they're creating some uh, some scholarships for her, uh, for people, and some other things. So we may play into that a little bit as she was a member of two churches, and that's that's kind of awesome. So anyway, continue to lift that, lift them in your prayers as well. Um, so let's go to Lord in prayer now. God, we just uh, we love you. We are in awe of you, and um, and honestly, over the last. Uh, I think when we look at numbers like 52 weeks and everything, that we're starting to see some good things in this COVID thing. And, and then, but many of us may be like me and a little bit pessimistic and say, okay, what's next? Um, but what, regardless of what it is, God, we know that um, you are in control, even though it doesn't seem like it. Um, I ask that you uh, be with the service today as we honor um, Connie Cohen's life, my dad. Uh, I also ask that you be with uh, Carly Snyder's family and just... Um, what an incredible life in such a short time. We take uh, everything for granted, God. We take people for granted. We take life for granted. But we don't know when, when that time comes. We don't know when that, when that uh, happens, and we are, we are kind of uh, headed home. And hopefully, Lord, by having faith in you, once we recognize faith in Jesus Christ, we know where we are going to go. And so uh, while we are here during this world, help us just to recognize that life is a gift from you and that we are to make the most of each and every day. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. All right. A um, couple announcements um, that we need to uh, 
go over. Again, uh, Sunday school is still rolling along strong. We're glad that they're there. Youth group is canceled today because of the funeral service later today at 4 o'clock. We'll, our, our funeral service will be... Um, but go ahead. They will serve breakfast on the 27th from 8 to 10 at the Mary Randall Center. Also, we, um, if you're in need, we do have Stephen ministers for all kinds of things to journey with you through life if you're facing any kind of crisis. Um, and sometimes that's a crisis of, of faith as well. Um, Grief Share is still continuing on. January, it started on January 18th. But as we all know, grief, as we just explained, grief comes at any time. And so, um, so you can plug into that live or on Zoom on Monday evenings at 6.30. And so um, we'd love for you to connect with that. Serving today, how are we at Paris? We're awesome. Great job. Every time you guys meet that, and we are so thrilled that you guys do that stuff. And I know they are as well. Uh, we, did, we talked last week briefly about um, about going ahead and um, and doing our our connection with the um, Mary uh, excuse me sorry with Miriam's table and um, before we get there this is your QR code if you want to go ahead and hit that you can go ahead and join um, and connect with uh, with the bulletin there we'll talk about that in a second but we do have a brief video to show you. Uh, for um, Miriam's table, Miriam's, uh, we, the Kiefer's have supported that. She went on mission, connected to that, to that ministry that has fed tons of people, um, tons of kids. Um, and what's it called again? I, I know it's in Africa, but what's it called? Okay, Kimpasa? K-Pasa? No, M-Pasa. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a place over there I can't pronounce. But there's kids that are awesome, and we've been able to help and feed them and other things. Now, because of everything else, one of the things that we also take for granted is pharmaceuticals. And they are, the government has actually asked them to build an addition for a pharmaceutical dispensary there. And so um, every dollar that you give is going to go directly to that. Um, and so let's see this video really quickly. Hello, Haven community friends. This is Susie Kiefer from Miriam's Table. We are so grateful for the support that you have given Miriam's Table over the past four years. Altogether, it's been over $10,000 that you've given to help support and feed our children, now at 350 children daily. We are just ever so grateful for that. As we start into the seventh year of ministry, though, we feel that God has been calling us to do more ministry there in different ways. Located in an area where medical facilities is non-existent, the Minister of health from the Democratic Republic of Congo has visited our site and asked us if we would consider opening a medical dispensary and pharmacy in the area. There is no facility located at all there. ministry, we will need to build a second building to house both the pharmacy and the medical clinic. We hired a Congolese architect to come to our land and look at the how the facility could be built there. He looked at all the, the things, including the government taxes. He put together a beautiful presentation, which you can see in the slides that I put together for you. Um, very detailed of what would go inside the uh, clinic as well as the outside. And so 
he included all the things that would be necessary for us as far as the bid that he put in. Um, buying building materials in Congo is very expensive because they are taxed with all the incoming taxes to bring them into the country. And also the location of Miriam's table is a difficult place to get to. He took all of those things into consideration. So the bid that he submitted would be fully covered in, in the bid that he put in for us. And we just want to explain to you that having this addition of a medical facility there would help us to change, not only change lives, but save lives, thousands of them. Thank you. Um, uh, good stuff. So again, um, we're not expecting this church to go ahead and do all that alone. What we are looking for is just everybody to connect together, to be the church, to connect and make it happen. All right. So um, it's in your hands. And there we go. We do also have some uh, the bread banks, some of the um, the love loaves that are back there. And so if you want to go ahead and uh, and connect one of those and just put change and everything else in there, go ahead and do so. Or you can just go ahead and, and give um, and just mark it for Miriam's table. And I thank you all for that. OK, um, a couple other things. We'll go ahead and put the bulletin back up here. If you want to go ahead, you just go ahead, pull out your smartphone, go ahead, hold it up, and get that QR code with your camera, and then it'll be digital um, if you want to go ahead and do that. Uh, I got an announcement to tell you. Guess what? Next week is Palm Sunday. Yeah. Right? I'm still at Christmas, just to let you know. So that means in a couple weeks, it's what? Easter, the bunny's coming, but more important, we celebrate the Lord's resurrection, and I, which we should do every, all the time we gather together, but honestly, um, I, I have lost <clears throat> not only a year, but I've lost my mind, I think, because um, I just can't, uh, I can't fathom that we're already here at Easter, you know what I mean, but what we are, and so that's where we are. So just um, one announcement, <clears throat> that Friday after next week, a week from this coming Friday, um, we will have our Good Friday service. We will have, it'll be at 7 o'clock. Um, obviously, we're going to have to make some changes to that. Um, but I guarantee you, we'll have a bigger attendance than we had last year. Because it was just me and two people in the back. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, so we, won't, we're, we won't open that up. It's one of our uh, favorite services that we do. Um, people really like that. <laughs> and Good Friday is awesome because of what God did, but it's also awesome for Jill and I because mom and dad met at a Good Friday service. So, um, <clears throat> so we will have that Good Friday service on, uh, seven, at 7 o'clock. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, for Easter, um, we're going to have several options. We're going to have two, and we're considering going ahead and having a Saturday night option as well to make sure we have a number of people that can make it. Um, and I know everybody's like, ooh, Saturday, Saturday, that sounds good to me. I'll get, you know, I get it. Um, but <clears throat> we got some logistics to work out. Three things I want you to do. Number one, pray. Number two, invite. And um, number three, be ready to celebrate. Okay? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> okay, today we are starting a new series. We just finished up another series, and this series is a short one, but it's called Miracles. Miracles. And, and, what do you think? Miracles? You like? <clears throat> Did you realize? <clears throat> Here comes Lisa. Lisa, for 25 years, has been giving me cough drops. All right, whatever it is. So um, she's been giving me these for 25 years. All right. <clears throat> so, um, miracles. Did you realize? And many people say, why are you doing a series on miracles? Well, did you realize that 70% of what Jesus did 
his earthly ministry and life dealt with healing the sick and casting out demons. Dealt with some form of healing. 70%. That's a lot. Don't you agree? Um, 70% of that. And um, God still does miracles. And Patty's alive today, and she seems to be the only one. That's all I'm saying. But <clears throat> how many of you believe that, and I don't want you to believe this, that God has a miracle in store for you, right? Um, so miracles can be a controversial issue, particularly with Christians. You know why? Because Christians make everything controversial. Um, but one of the things is, usually people fall in two groups when it comes to miracles. There are the people that say miracles were were done years ago. It focused on, you know, Jesus. And during that time, now when Jesus ascended to heaven, now when there's no miracles and, and that kind of stuff. The other one is that miracles still happen today. And I want to let you know, I am the second person. And I believe that in my life. And I've seen that time and time again. So you need to know that is the stance of me as your pastor and, this, and where I go with this. <clears throat> All right. It reminded me of a, of a time where I, I heard a story about a priest and a rabbi happened to be in a car accident. Like one hit the other in a car. And they collided. And it was shortly before Sabbath on Friday night. And they had, a horrible, um, they had a horrible collision. Both cars were completely totaled. But what can only be described as a miracle, with the cars completely totaled, the two men... The priest and the rabbi came out completely unscathed without even a scratch on them. They crawled out of their cars and the rabbi sees the priest's collar. And he says, so you're a priest. I'm a rabbi. Just look at our cars. There's absolutely nothing left of them. We're unhurt. This must be a sign and a miracle from God. The priest replies, I agree with you completely. This has to be a sign and a miracle of God. The rabbi goes on and looks at his car and he says, look, here's another miracle. My entire car is demolished, but there was a bottle of Manischewitz wine for a Sabbath. He said, I just bought it for Shabbat and it didn't even break, even though the whole car is totaled. Surely God wants us to drink a toast and celebrate our good fortune. So he handed the bottle to the priest. The priest said, yeah, I agree with you. And he took a couple big swigs and handed the bottle back to the rabbi. The rabbi takes the bottle and immediately puts on the cap and hands it back to the priest. And the priest says, aren't you going to have any? He said, no, I think I'll wait for the police to show up. Um, God. That's good. I don't care what you say. That's good. All right. Our theme verse for this series comes from Psalm 77. Here it is. It says, you are, you are the God of what? Miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. I, I love that. I love that statement that you are and you still. I love that it is present tense for us. I love that they don't say you have been or and you demonstrated. I love that it is in the present tense. And that simply means that God still does miracles and wonders today for our world, that we serve a living God who wants to do the miraculous in your life, and that is our God. Job 5, let's look at Job here. Job said, he, again, present test, he performs, what does he perform? 
wonders that cannot be fathomed and miracles that cannot be counted. And if anybody's read the book of Job, Job didn't often see the miracles and the wonders of God. He saw a lot of trouble, didn't he? Saw a lot of problems in his life. Notice once again, what are wonders? Wonders are those surpassing and extraordinary things. What are miracles? Miracles are marvelous things that are outside of the norm, and yet God makes it happen. The bottom line is, we serve a God who still does miracles. So I have a question for you. Here's a question. I want everybody to look here. I got a big question. How many of you would love to experience a miracle? Raise your hand high. Go ahead. Even at home, raise your hand. How many of you would love a miracle for your life? And if you don't have your hand up, I don't know what's wrong with you. How many, of you. how many of you would like a miracle? Maybe the miracle is that you raised your hand in church. That might be the miracle. Who knows? Hallelujah, Lord, I gave it to you. All right. So I'd say pretty much most of us would love to have God do something miraculous. It could be financial. How many would like a financial miracle in your life? All right. If you don't raise your hand, again. Yeah, all right. If, again, send that miracle my way. Um, how many of you may even like a health miracle? You may want to, you know, like... Uh, youth is wasted on the young, right? You know, how many of you would love to feel that way when you were young, you know, and those kind of things? How many would like to eat junk and not gain a pound? Yeah, there you go. That's miraculous. That's called heaven, right? Um, yeah, I think there's so many things. Um, some of us may want relationship, like a, a connection with a, with a parent or a child or, or something else. We may want a relationship miracle. Anybody in those areas as well? And there are several miracles that I have been able to experience in my life or around my life. Honestly, Jill and I being here today is a miracle. Because at the age of 10, our dad was in an, a, a severe accident. And the accident, um, through a long story short, um, dad was thrown outside the car and his father's car ran him over. And he was pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital. Me, when I was a little kid, I was showing off for Jill. I know that is hard for you to understand that I would be showing off. I did a somersault off the couch. Our parents were downstairs having a Bible study. And I guess leaving a four-year-old and eight-year-old upstairs to do whatever. But they were just right downstairs. And I did a somersault off the couch. And my head struck the corner um, of the, the runner on a rocking chair, one of the short, short ones. And my head just went, and it was just shooting blood everywhere, just everywhere. Um, Jill had this little dog book that I bled in that, that just had the little blood. You still have that book? We're going to have to pull it out sometime and look at it. Um, I would have scanned it and put it up here for you. Um, but we, uh, you know, I was just bleeding, and I screamed, ah! I was crying, and I think Jill ran downstairs, and... Dad and uh, a friend of ours for years, Miss Amanda, and mom and them came up and grabbed me. And they went and they put me on the counter, on the corner of the counter in the kitchen. And I remember very vaguely sitting there. And what they did in this prayer group, there's some others there. Dad, the, the blood, Dad talked about it, was just squirting out, just shooting all over the place. He took his hand. He put his hand up and they prayed in the name of Jesus and that, that I would be healed. And he pulled his hand away and he, he said it this way. It looked like it was just carterized together. The blood stopped, no stitches. And I still look pretty, don't I, right? <laughs> That's the biggest miracle of God, right? <clears throat> I remember uh, before I became a pastor, I was in Claymont at a Bible study and a girl had torn 
um, her, her stomach muscle, could barely sit, was having problems. We prayed for her. We anointed her with oil, and I laid hands on her. And she went home that night and went to the doctor the next day, and her, her stomach muscles were completely healed up. Through life, I know my father went and prayed for a six-year-old boy who had a tumor at Johns Hopkins, and they, they scanned him right before he went in to the operating room, and when they got into the operating room, the tumor had simply disappeared. There was a baby who, was, who showed that they were dead in the womb, and they prayed and anointed the mother, and the baby was born healthy and fine. I went to a, uh, a baby. There were two twins that were born. One died. They were born very prematurely. One died very early. And I went into the NICU unit up at uh, AI DuPont. And the stronger one of the twins was the one who died. I went in there. The father was there. And they were, he was telling me, hey, <clears throat> uh, they're talking about pulling off the vent sometime. And if they do and he doesn't breathe for himself... We're probably going to lose our second son. Just a week or so earlier, we had done the funeral. I tell you, I've been through a lot of funerals, and I've done a lot of funerals, but when you see a little baby casket, nothing breaks your heart more than that. And so as I was there with the father, I said, okay, well, we know what, we know what they're saying. Let's pray for, to God. <clears throat> I prayed, and it's not me, but I, I said, we're going to trust God in this. And we started praying. Remember, they were saying in a couple days, and we prayed, and I said, Lord, we know that you have used the medical staff to go ahead and help this, uh, help Chad breathe. But right now, God, what I'm going to claim, I'm going to claim that you breathe, you breathe life into him like you did to Adam and each person, and I pray that your Holy Spirit, when they pull out that, that breathing tube, that he will breathe on his own and never stop again. I said, I'll see you later. Let me know what happens. I walked out of the room. By the time I got to my car, I was getting a call from the father. And he said, I, it was a mother, actually. She had called me because of the father and my number. And she, she said, where are you? I said, I'm in the car. She said, my husband was there. As soon as you walked out of the room, a doctor and a nurse came in and said, hey, we decided we're going to pull that tube out right now. And he said, when they did that, I walked out and the ele- you weren't even there in the elevator anymore. And let me tell you, that kid is a teenager today and still breathing on his own. He has never gone back on it. Not me, but it's the miracle of God. You see, I want to talk today about one of the greatest miracles of God. And it's a familiar story to anybody who's been around church for a while. It's about three people, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, who was dead. And so we're going to look at this from John chapter 11. Join with me. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. Now, let me stop right here and just uh, let you know. Every miracle begins with a problem. Remember the question, who wants a miracle? Remember that? How many of you want a problem? You see, we want the miracles, but we don't want the problems. Let me tell you something. Problems are the soil that the seeds of God's miracles are birthed in. Without a problem, we don't need miracles. Not at all. Problems are that soil for the power of God to flourish. And so here we go. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Story in Luke, 
He went ahead. She's down there. She's pouring all this kind of stuff. Go ahead. All right. So then we're, then we're there. Now, um, so the sister sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. This is the problem. Everybody with me on the problem? When he heard this, Jesus said, and this is awesome, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. I love the fact that it is something that I never really fully paid attention to. But notice it says, the one who you love. Not, they don't appeal to Jesus based off of Lazarus's love for Jesus. They were obviously very close, but they appeal to Jesus' love for him. And God, I want to tell you something. God is not moved by your performance. God is not looking. And, and I'll tell you, churches throughout history have done a very poor job of telling us, of, of passing on works righteousness. Now, we recognize that James says faith without works is dead. But that comes because of God's love for us. He sent his son. There is nothing conditionally we need to do except just accept it. And so God's love for us is what brings the miracle, not something that we haven't done. Now, I got a long list of things to ask the Lord about why this didn't happen and why this did happen. I've got a long list, and guess what? When I get to heaven, I'm not going to care. But the fact is, I have a lot of questions why this person gets well and that person doesn't. I have a lot of questions why this person's healed and that one's not. Time and time again, I have those questions. But I'm going to tell you, if you're like me and have those questions, it has nothing to do with your love for God, because bottom line is God loves you so much that he sent his son. And it's that love that compels him to act in your life. And that's why he says, this sickness will not end in death. It's for God's glory. You see, the miracle is bigger than the problem. And it's a big problem here. First he's sick, and now he's going to die. And so, what does is, what is God do with a miracle? Yes, he does some cool things, but in it, Jesus is glorified. Think about it. Would we ever talk about Lazarus if he wasn't dead? Would we? Would we care about Lazarus at all if he wasn't dead and Jesus did a miracle? But we are talking about this thousands of years later, and we're giving credit and glory to God because of it. And so... What we're learning from, from this section of scripture is that anything that is dead in the hands of Jesus can be made alive. And so in 25 years of being a, uh, a pastor, um, there are a lot, I've done a lot of funerals. When I first went to Lewis, Delaware as a pastor for two and a half years, I ended up doing in the first year like 36 funerals. I mean, they were calling me the minister of death. You know, I was going in and it was happening right and left. And there's a lot of different things that people have at funerals. But I've noticed that there's something that's kind of consistent at many funerals. Often, those who attend the funeral tend to be deader than the person who's in the box. Think about it for a second, okay? There are a lot of people who are the walking dead in life. There's a lot of zombies walking around in life. There are people who had dreams that are dead. There are people who have relationships that are dead. There are people who have prognosis from health 
and they're dead in that problem. There are people whose emotions are dead. There's people who have no purpose, and their purpose is dead. They're pretty much dying on the inside, yet just walking around in life. And maybe, just maybe that's you here today, that you are discouraged so much in your life that it leads to what I want to call today the death trap. And you have that in your bulletin, the death trap. Now, when thinking of the death trap, I think of one of the coolest things that God ever made. And I'm going to show you a picture of it here. The Venus flytrap. Anybody have one of these? They're really kind of cool. Aren't they cool? Anybody ever seen one? Now, it's a fascinating thing because the Venus flytrap is um, inside the, the, the purplish kind of pink thing that, that's in there is very appealing to flies and insects. And there's these little hairs that you can't see really much all over, all over the inside. You kind of see one a little bit over here, but they're there. So what happens? The fly's like, mm, that looks good. And they fly in or the insect crawls in there and they see that. And then they go, wow, then they are stuck. Because what happens is those fingers, those hairs are a trigger. So when the fly goes in and hits it, boom, it clamps down. And when it clamps down, it's shut and the fly is trapped. And I thought that's much like us in life, that we are in this kind of death trap. That so much of us, we have hopes, we have things that appeal to us. And before we know it, we are stuck in a death trap when things don't go the way we thought they should do. And so John eleven sixteen is where we start to see the death trap here with the story of Lazarus. And here it is. Now remember, Mary and Martha sent word that the one you love is sick. How many of you, when you get word that somebody is sick or dying, you take off right away? Last week after church, Joe and I got a call from the hospital. We took out the door. South Jeff till 1.30, and nothing happened until the next day. But we went because we heard that. When Jesus hears this, it says, yet when he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was sick, he did what? He stayed there for two more days. The one you love and you stay for two more days. Now, I don't know if, that, if, if I called somebody that was in need and they took two days getting there that I'd be too happy. What about you? Are you happy when people keep you waiting? Are you happy when you, you reach out to somebody and they don't respond? Like, for instance, has, have you ever had to wait in a doctor's office? How good are you there with that wait? Anybody ever been to a doctor's office where they forgot you? Oh, yeah, you're not like, oh, great. You, I really, you feel you don't matter. You're angry. Let me, let me ask you this, some of the young people, um, and maybe not so young people like me. Um, don't you hate when somebody leaves you open on Snapchat? Or, you know what I'm talking about? Some people are like, what is Snapchat? Okay, what is open? Uh, on social media. Okay, first, old people, Facebook. All right? You know, when you write somebody something and it just stays there, or you just see that they read it. Anybody like when somebody, somebody texts you and you see the little bubbles, and then it goes nothing? You like that? Anybody like that? No, none of us like that. And, and this is what happens. This is often how we feel when we are asking and we're waiting for an answer from God. When we're praying for a miracle from God, we're wondering, where are you? And it seems like God is just chilling out saying, guess what? I'll wait here two more days. And that's tough when Scripture tells us a day is like a, a thousand years in God's eyes. It feels like 2,000 years sometimes that we're waiting. 
And so I want to share with you, first of all, some steps of how we fall into the death trap from this section of Scripture. Number one, when we don't understand how God works. You ever been there and just wonder why it seems like God isn't doing anything about what you're praying about? Anyone? See, like you guys are like those people at the funeral. You're deader than dad will be later, okay? Sorry, Jill. He died. I mean, it's good. All right. He would have thought it was funny. All right. You know what I mean? I mean, let's go back and we're talking a story about a man who was dead in the tomb for four days and was raised by Jesus. You should be a little bit more excited about that. And you should recognize that that's the God we serve, not all this other kind of fluff, that we serve a God who is a living God who wants to raise us from the dead. All right, there we go. That's a little bit more. We often don't understand. A lot of times I've even prayed, God, you know, if you do a miracle here, it's a really good opportunity that will glorify you. I have better ideas about what God should be doing than God does. And I tell him this time and time again. And a lot of times he says, Jack, I'm God, you're not. You know, why did Jesus wait for two extra days if he loved Lazarus? It's simply this fact that I don't like. That here Jesus displays that God has a different perspective than you and me. He looks at the big picture. He has a, he has a, a perspective that I can't see. And he has a divine strategy to work it all out. In John 11... 11 through 13. It says, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples said, wait, wait, wait a second. If he's sick and he sleeps, he'll get well. Right? So that's where Jesus starts. If he's sick and he's going to get better. Let's read the rest of this. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. You see, Jesus had a different perspective than the disciples. And the disciples were with him for three years. They knew him better than anyone, and they still did not understand what he was saying. And the other thing is, what Jesus said did not match what they see. We often miss out on God's ways because what God says is different from what we see. From God's word, for instance, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it to the fullness or abundantly. And you may have problems in your life that are overwhelming. You may have kids that can't stand you. You may have, you may be so depressed in your life. You hear that Jesus says, I will never leave you. Or God says, I will never leave you or never forsake you. And the loneliness that you feel each and every day of life is so overwhelming. And you say, God, you may not leave me or forsake me, but you're doing a heck of a good job of playing hide and seek. Or maybe you've heard Jesus say, I have plans to prosper you. And you say, then why is my life a complete mess? You know, uh, a man named Everett Storms, on his 27th reading of the Bible, which took him a year and a half to do, found in the scripture that there are 8,810 promises and 7,487 of them are from God to humans. 
which leads us, this, fir- this first point here, we don't understand how God works, leads us to the number two. Number two is this. We get consumed, and consumed is a good word, with doubt. We get consumed with doubt. And also we get consumed with our own viewpoint. In John 11, verse 16, it says this. Then Thomas, this is doubting Thomas, it went down in history, right? Thomas, also called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go with him so that we may die. I got to say, we, Thomas gets beaten up in, in, in Scripture and in life and has for 2,000 years just because he, he wasn't there when Jesus popped in the room. I don't think, I, I think I'd probably question if I didn't see Jesus and he had been dead and I saw his crucifixion. I'd question too, would you? I'd be doubting Jack throughout 2,000 years. And then Thomas here gives his reaction. Why does Thomas speak up? It's interesting. Anybody know what Didymus and Thomas mean? And, and here's one of the cool things. Back then they had a Hebrew name, Thomas, and a, and a nickname or a Greek name that was, in this case, Didymus. Anybody know what those two things mean? Twin. They mean twin. And what many scholars believe is that was his nickname, twin, because he looked like Jesus. And if you look like, let me, let me take you back. In, in John chapter 10, you can look at this yourself, 22 through 34. There are people who tried, when they were back in this area of Jerusalem, tried to get, capture Jesus and stone him to death. Throw rocks at him and kill him. They left there, and now Jesus is talking about doing what? Going back. And if you look a lot like Jesus, you are not too thrilled about going back where you just left, where people wanted to stone him to death. And Thomas says, oh, great. Great, let us go back so we can die with him. That's where he is. And so often that, that, that perspective that we have where we live is, is this doubt. Do you know anyone in your life who does nothing but focus on the negative? Negative Nancys? Negative Nathans, I guess we throw them in? All the time, just so negative. Do you like to be around negative people? No, they're They're annoying. It's like being around Eeyore all the time. Everybody know Eeyore? Let's look at Eeyore. Let's look at some of the stuff that Eeyore says. Don't blame me if it rains. The nicest thing about rain is it always stops. It's all for naught. I guess I'll have to get used to it. That's all there is. Right? You like Eeyore? He has some other ones. Um, here it is right here. I'm not telling you people don't like me and it doesn't count. Thanks for noticing me. There's people who are like, thanks for noticing me. No need to bother on my account. Eeyore. There are people who are Eeyores all the time. I'd rather be around Tigger. He's annoying and I want to punch him. But I wouldn't catch him because he's a wonderful thing about tickers, right? And you're like, oh. why, do we, why are we stuck with all the Eeyores in life? The negative people, time and time again. And, and I get there too in life, where what I see does not match what I'm seeing, what, what, what God is saying, and I'm Eeyoring at God all day. The world is challenging your beliefs day in and day out, and you're saying, where are the miracles? This last year, with COVID, with sickness, with death, with problems, with concerns, it's been a year where I felt like doing a lot of eeyoring. 
Oh, God, I thought you loved me. Oh, Lord, why does this happen to me? Oh, God, we can't have Easter together. Oh, Lord, COVID, COVID, COVID. Oh, God, what a ridiculous election. Oh, God, can the kids all go back to school? Right? All this kind of stuff. Is this some of your eeyoring? And we've done it time and time and time again. But what we forget is we serve a God who is big and powerful. And I don't know why certain things happen. But you know, the most important thing that we need to do is surround ourselves with the same people, with people who believe that God is still on the throne and he is still in charge. It's easy to doubt and surround yourself with other people who will jump right in and doubt. And that is contagious. But we need more contagiousness with knowing that we serve a big and powerful God. And that leads to the third thing, which is horrible, but I've seen it far too often. We just give up on God. It's scary, but I hear this time and time again. Look in, chapter, in verse 17 through 20, right here. Set, Jesus finally gets in gear after two days. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Hold on to that for a second. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. This is very important because by Jewish tradition, which they were, they had a belief that the soul hung around the grave for three days, just in case decided to pop back in. It was, that, it was a belief that they had in that. So Jesus waited two days so that Lazarus would be really, really dead. Those of you who are Princess Bride fans, he wasn't mostly dead. All right, there you go. He was really dead. Three days, mostly dead. Okay? Four days, dead, dead, dead. No chance of coming back. Now, what I find interesting here is when Martha heard she, Jesus, she runs out to go get him. In Luke 10, we have a story. And some of you have been around church for a while. I've heard this sermon. I'm going to give you the name of the sermon that you heard. Be a Mary, not a Martha. You got it? Everybody's la you're laughing because you know what I mean. What happened? Jesus was hanging out at their house. Mary is down at Jesus' feet. Just listen to every word he's saying. Martha is in the kitchen doing all the work. And she's mad and says, Jesus, tell Mary to come, come here and help me. And he says, hey, she's doing what's better right now. And Martha's saying, well, you want to eat, you'll send her in. You know, that, that's kind of like the thing. That, nobody eats if Martha's not doing the work. But what I find interesting is when everything was good, and I looked up a chronological uh, deal with Luke and John, and, and that, that happened before. When everything was good and peaceful and wonderful, Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's doing work to prepare. When it's bad and Lazarus did not show up and they knew Jesus didn't get there in time. Where's Mary? She's at home. Martha heard Jesus was there. Mary's probably like, really? Now you show up? Now you show up, Jesus. Okay, I get it. You're a little bit late. Some of us, and some people in the sound of my voice, you may have or you may be at a point in your life where you've given up on God. And he's here and you're staying at home. Like when it was good and that life was wonderful and there was no tragedy, you were like, okay, 
Okay, God, I got it. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, that's awesome. But when the tragedy hit, when the struggles hit and the problems occurred, you said, you go on, Jesus. In those moments, that is the most powerful when Jesus does the miraculous in your life. You may feel like your life has been one big four days of waiting for Jesus. And so a question I want to ask you is this right now, if you look at this question. What in your life is either dead or dying? What begins to happen with verses 20 through 24? I don't have them up here, but you can go ahead and read it. Martha runs out to Jesus. She says, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus ignores her question and says, Lazarus will rise again. Martha says, yeah, I know that. I know that. She's a, she's a, a good, she, she knew her, her Jewish faith, and she said, yeah, yeah, I know on Resurrection Day. Yeah, I believe that. I know that's going to happen there. And then everything changes from the death trap to the life in this verse. If you don't memorize anything else in Scripture, get this one. And Jesus looked at Martha, and she, he said, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks a question. Do you believe this? Jesus is not saying here, oh, I have knowledge of life and when it's going to happen. Jesus simply says, wait, 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 wait a second. I don't care what it's 50 days. You're looking at the one. I am the resurrection. I am the life. It's not resurrection and life is a concept. The resurrection and the life is a person and his name is Jesus. Again, Jesus is not saying something that they see and understand because he has a different perspective and he has a divine order and plan. And then he asks this wonderful question that we all need to wrestle with in our life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus is, and you know, Jesus, this is another thing we need to learn because I'm tired of the church passing off garbage that isn't in the scripture by saying that person didn't get well because you didn't have enough faith. That's garbage. And if anybody ever says that to you, tell them to pick up the Bible and start to read it. I don't care if they have a, a master's in divinity or whatever they have. Because Jesus had fully planned to raise Lazarus from the dead in, in Berea long before he ever got there. Lazarus was dead when Jesus got on the scene. And what they saw, they could have said, man, was, did you not love Lazarus? Did you, somebody, some good uh, Jewish rabbi could have come up, or good friend should have come up and said, you know, if you just prayed more, if you just believed a little bit more, maybe Lazarus wouldn't have got sick and died. If you just did this more here, that is garbage. It's not about us, it's about him. He didn't say your acts are the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so when he, when he embraced that, that was a lot better preaching than your reaction. I'm just telling you right there, okay? Um, so how can we experience a miracle? A couple things I want to share with you real quickly here today. And we're going we're gonna, to um, close out worship today. Number one, you, me, everybody on the face of the earth has to settle in our hearts who Jesus is. You have to deal with it. I love the quote from the great C.S. Lewis who says, 
I'm not trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be a devil of hell. You must make the choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can't shut him up for a fool. You can't spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you, can't, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not commit with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. Jesus has simply not left us open to that. He did not intend to. You have to deal with who Jesus is. He's either a liar, lunatic, or savior. And if he's a liar and a lunatic, then all of Western civilization is based off of a liar and lunatic. The simple fact is it's not based off a liar and lunatic. It's based off of the king of kings and lord of lords. So you need to settle in your heart who Jesus is. The first person, the one person in the story who had that settled and never, ever gave up was Martha. It was Martha. Why? Because she settled in her heart who Jesus is a long, long time ago before this ever got started. Look here in verse 22. Here's what she says. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know. Even now. I know that even now God will give you Whatever you ask. Look at what she said, what it said in verse 27. Martha said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. You see, we far too often give God conditions and expectations and put him in a box saying, or try to put him in a box and saying, okay, if, if you do this, then I'll thank that. God's like, I don't, whatever you think, I still am. Resurrection life. You see, she didn't want it to happen with her brother. But she saw with eyes of faith that even now, I don't know what that dead and dying area in your life is. I don't know what the problem and struggle is. But I'm going to tell you, even now, Jesus can still make a difference. Even now, in those areas of your life, he wants to make a difference. Because he is the Christ. And our hope is not in the outcome, but in the one who holds the outcome. And if we look back where Jesus said to Martha, even now, they know that. She knows that. Number two, here we go. Stop, and I'm going to make a change to this. It says stop analyzing. I'm going to say stop overanalyzing. Okay? Because I believe God gave us a mind to analyze things with. And so when I looked at it this morning and was praying about this, I said, I need to add over to that. Stop overanalyzing everything. How many of you are people that need to figure out everything? Anybody? You just need to figure it out. And often that is based off of lots of feelings and emotions and a perception in your mind. And, and feelings and perceptions will always lie to us. You see, 
we can't really rely on faith and faith according to scripture is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If we have everything figured out and we have it all placed in front of us, then we have no need for faith. I mean, we have no need for Jesus, which means Jesus came and died on the cross for nothing. But our faith is in the assurance that what we see is not what's going to happen. But what Jesus says is over that. In verses 38 and 39, Jesus, he goes to the tomb. Mary kind of came out and the thing said, if you, and he said, hold on here, I'm going to do something. And right before this, it says here, Jesus once more deeply moved. In King James people, Jesus wept. Jesus came to the tomb. The tomb was sealed. He came there and realized, remember, he loved him. And he, and he wept. For some of you, you have a tomb life that's going on here. You're dead in so many areas, and you have sealed the tomb from Jesus. And he's weeping because he wants life to give you life. And so what does it say? He says he gets there. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And Jesus said, take away the stone. I find that when Jesus weeps and cries here, the human side of him was like, that's grief. That's grief. That ain't good. And he wept because he loved Lazarus. He knew what he was going to do, but still he had loss for this thing, that death, the whole reason why he was there is to pay the, the price for that. And the divine side of himself. I can see him saying this was never supposed to be this way. You know, when Jesus said, roll away the stone, you know, Jesus could have gone stone. Because, you know, he didn't need anybody help him roll away the stone when he was on the other side. Jesus could have bounced that stone with one word. Why didn't he? Because he wanted our faith in action. He wanted us not to figure out. He, he wanted that. And they started figuring out. Look what they say here. Martha, who's been so faithful, said, but Lord. How many times have we said that to Jesus? But God. But Lord, Martha said, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. I love King James here because they said something my dad used to say. It stinketh much. There's a lot of Lazarus in my life that stinketh much. Because I haven't let Jesus come into it. I haven't rolled the stone away. Jesus could, but he wants me to. Notice Martha is not in denial about what she saw or what it was. But Jesus, what was he doing? He's doing what he does with us. Stretching and building our faith. He gave her a promise. I am the resurrection of life. I mean, excuse me. He said, hey, it's only then in death. Then he said, drew his attention to who he really is. I am the resurrection and the life. He called for a confession of faith. Who am I? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then called her to act on faith. Same thing Jesus calls for us to do here today. And then the story gets really cool. The third thing that we need to do to see the miracles in our life is start living again. Let me say that again. Start living again. Lazarus was in that tomb. And look what happened here. Here's what Jesus says. Let's take a look at the scripture right here. Jesus called in a loud voice. I love this because Jesus was an amazing carpenter. He was probably pretty muscular. And he walked in. He's like, 
Yo! Lazarus! I think a lot of times we think he went, Lazarus, come on. No, Jesus, power and authority, he walks there and he says, Lazarus, come out. Now, why did Jesus say, Lazarus, come out? Simply the fact of this, John chapter 5, verse 28, said, where Jesus said, the hour is coming in which all who are in their graves will hear his voice. If Jesus had come out, people would have been popping out of the tombs all over the place. And guess what? Matthew tells us that's what's happened after the resurrection. Because he is the resurrection and Jesus is the life. And so he says, hey, Lazarus, you smelly sucker, come on out. And the dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off those grave clothes. We miss something in the story and even the people who depict it miss it. Was it say he came out and what did he have? His feet wrapped and a cloth around his face. Lazarus, been in there four days, laying down. Jesus says, yoo come on out. He says, hmm? And then he does this. That's what it says, right? He didn't go, no. Lazarus is like, mm, what the heck? Mm. Mm. Never saw that before, did you? And Jesus says, get them stinking dead clothes off that man. Because he was dead, but now he's alive. And here's one of the problems. You may be alive, but you're still wearing dead clothes. You're still bound by something that made you dead in your life. And Jesus says, get them off. I have given you life. And I've given it to you abundantly. Live it. Let go. Get those grave clothes off. Quit going through life like this. Our dad. We're just going to celebrate his life later today. Was pronounced dead on arrival, as I said, from the accident. At the age of 10. In 1951. He grew up, he went to college and seminary, graduating from Duke University in 1966. The same year he was ordained as a Methodist pastor. And yet, when you hear his testimony, which we're going to put some of these online and have them available for you and the world, he pretty much says, I was alive but I still was in grave clothes for 20 more years. You see, he had, he had been alive because Jesus kept him there. And at age 16, he was on fire, but then something happened later in life where he had grave clothes on. He was a pastor and he was all this, had a master of divinity and all this stuff. But he still had the grave clothes on until he had an encounter with the living God in 1971 where he came in contact where he said this, that he knew Jesus as Savior, but he had never made him Lord. And he had an encounter with baptism of the Holy Spirit, which freed him from his grave clothes to live a life fully alive. For you, you may have known Jesus as Savior, and the church for years has said, got to get you in heaven, got to get you in heaven, got to get you in heaven, got to get you in heaven. But you never maybe really knew him as Lord. 
I'm going to show you a picture as we wind this down today. Anybody know what that is? It's Death Valley. Okay? Death Valley is one of the most driest places on earth. Um, in the United States, it is the driest place. It receives an average of maybe two inches a year of rainfall. It's so dry that absolutely nothing grows there. And it's, it's void of life. Yet in 2005 and 2016, something happened. And I'm going to show you two pictures. Here, I'll show you the first one. And let me, you think that's cool? Let me show you the second one. It was called the Super Bloom of 2005 and 2016. Sir Ken Robinson was talking in a TED Talk. If you don't know what that is, ask somebody younger. Um, And he said this, Death Valley is the hottest, driest place in America. And nothing grows there. Nothing grows there because it doesn't rain too much. Hence, Death Valley. In the winter of 2004, it rained in Death Valley. Up to seven inches of rain fell over a short period. And in spring of 2005, there was a phenomenon. The whole floor of Death Valley was carpeted with wildflowers. What this proved is this. That Death Valley really is not dead. It's just dormant. That right beneath the surface are these seeds of possibility, waiting for the right conditions to come about. And if the conditions are right, life is inevitable. It happens all the time. Today, the conditions are, the conditions are right for you to come on out of the graves that you've been in. To release yourself and get somebody to help you release those grave clothes that have you bound and you may be, a, you may be uh, breathing, but you're not alive. Our God is a God of miracles and wonders. And in two weeks, we're going to celebrate the greatest miracle of Jesus raising from the dead. And that means that you have life also. Don't continue living in the pattern of Lazarus or Mary or Martha before this, but let Jesus breathe new life into your life so that you can be made fully alive and recognize that he is the resurrection of life. And as I end this, I give you one more statement here that's up here. Take a look at this. Instead of believing what I see, choose to believe what Jesus said. Amen? All right, everybody, let's stand on up. And let's worship God one more time today in his name. I thank you. I thank you for the problems in life. What, did he just lose his mind like he said he was? Yep. Because God, I know where there's problems is where you do your greatest miracles. And so Lord, in the midst of your miracle, the miracle of your son, Jesus Christ, I give you thanks. I thank you for all your love. I thank you for loving that, that I am the one who you love. I am the Lazarus of today. That this room is full of Lazari, I guess I'd say. 
I make up my own words. Just go with it. God, we, we have so many of us that are just existing in life. But God, as we sang earlier, you are a living hope. You are the resurrection and the life. So if we do, God, it's going to change everything. If we believe it, it's, you're, we're going to go back into those areas that, that cause sickness and cause death in, in, our, in our, our lives, in our finances, in our relationships, in our everything. And God, we're going to say, even though we think those are dead and gone, that you are the resurrection of life. For loss that we've had, for struggles that we bear, for bad diagnosis and questions with all kinds of areas of life. Let us hear and let us believe that you are the resurrection of life and that you will do the miracles of life in the midst of our lives, not for us, but so that you are glorified in it. And so God, I dedicate my life and the rest of this life to you. And I pray that right now in the sound of our voice that as people have been living as Death Valley, that you're not dead. There's just a, a seed of God's power that has just been lying dormant for the conditions to be right, which are here today. And Jesus says to you in a loud voice, come out, come out and flourish. And you will never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, there are people to pray with you, or you can pray where you are, but I just want to recognize that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Grandeur Earth has great before. Moved by the sound of his voice, seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And through it all, through it all, it is well. me Far be it from me to not believe Even when my eyes can't see And this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea and through it all through it all my eyes are on you and through it all through it all it is well and through it all through it all my eyes are on you 
with me It is well with my soul. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection of life. All right, everybody, we love you dearly. And pray for us today as we celebrate uh, my dad's life. As hard as that is to say, I'm excited because we're going to worship the Lord again twice today. It's going to be like we are a Pentecostal church, Patty. It's going to be awesome. Everybody, um... Before I, I get you out of here, I also want you to pray for other thing, something else and just rejoice. Uh, Laura White is on the way to the hospital to have her baby. Um, so, prayers. Um, if you don't know that she's pregnant, that tells you COVID's been around way too long. All right. But everybody, have an awesome week in Jesus. We welcome you to go ahead and connect later today, a little bit before 4. It'll be um, broadcast online and celebrate with us. We love you all. And uh, next week, we'll talk about another miracle. God bless. Later.